0: All right, we are back on here. I want to thank you all, loyal listeners, loyal viewers, for being back on with us today. Um, This is again Jeff Lambert. I got a very, very special guest on here today. He is actually the man who encouraged and, dare I say, challenged me to launch this wonderful podcast, podcast, whatever title you want to throw on this thing. We have a man who I could give probably a five-minute glowing bio and intro on. But what I found is that most of you like to hear it directly from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So I'm going to turn it over to my man, Tim Frazier. Welcome today, Tim. I really appreciate you being on here. You start out and tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of a bio, and we can kind of jump into some questions and um, talk about the impact your faith has had on your business and see where it goes.
1: Sounds great. Well, thanks, Jeff. Uh, My name is Tim Frazier. A little bit about me, um, number one and foremost, I'm, I'm a person. I am a person who's experienced their own challenges, their own struggles, their own way of trying to uh, push past the different limitations, uh, thought limitations that I've experienced in life. Um, some of those things have allowed me to work as a youth pastor in the past. I've also had the chance of doing things as a chaplain assistant, working with both suicidal and homicidal soldiers, um, also looking to protect VIPs and being a paralegal and a financial analyst and working in insurance and um, Or working in procurement for hospitals. Uh, Currently, I work for a trust company where I help people to uh, understand their finances, where they are and where they want to be, or how do they want to leave a legacy to their families. It's very important to me to uh, see people uh, truly become successful in what they're looking to accomplish. And I find that uh, that in my experiences and overcoming some of my own challenges, it has benefited others specifically in that role.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I want to dive into a couple of things in your intro there. You said youth pastor chaplain for the military. Um, what kind of led you into those? Like how long ago, I guess, first question is, were you a youth pastor? Was that something pretty recent or was that a while ago?
1: Oh, um, I've, I've worked with youth recently um, more as like a small group leader. Um, the chaplain assistant role was um, on and off for about 10 years up until okay. about 2019.
0: Okay.
1: Um, being a youth pastor, I actually did a lot when I was probably young myself. Um, we'll say mid to early 20s okay. uh, was probably the time frame in which I did that. Um, I was still hip enough. <laughs> so to speak, to (laughs) relate and connect to the 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds. But I was demanding and um, commanding enough to lead individuals into a new thought process. And I I always say a new thought process because I believe that that was where Um, that's how Jesus led in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. When we think about the religious thoughts of the day, he enlightened our understanding of those religious thoughts to have a more, I don't want to say raw, but, um, a more enlightened understanding of who God is and how God relates to his people or God's Mm -hmm. people. If we're not using his and her language, um, And so I thought that that was was important for me to teach in that same way. Um, When I was a teenager, I actually wrote a, a, I was a co-author for a chapter of a book called Way to Live, Christian Practices for Teens. And we primarily talked about how to care for the earth. Okay. Um, and recycling and why do we do it and I shared about my experience of learning and experiencing God through nature okay. and as I understood that I could then understand the value of why we take care of nature um, mm. because I was experiencing God through nature that was one of the ways that God was speaking to me during that time of my life okay. um and what was beneficial about writing that was it showed it, it caused me to reflect on certain aspects of god that were always true and over time i began to identify god in other places to include my work whereas before it was almost like work was separate and you go to reconnect to the spiritual aspect of god through nature or through you know building something or doing something with your hands here i began to learn how to identify god in all aspects of my life which is still a constant endeavor Mm -hmm. Um, but at least you have the knowledge of what God looks like or feels like. And that allows you to be able to look for God in those things.
0: Okay. Now with that being said, was there anybody who was particularly influential in helping you realize that?
1: (sighs) Great question. Not sure if I have a great answer for you.
0: Uh, Whatever Um, you have is good enough for us.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, since I was young, um, I used to climb a tree when I was real little, about four, five, six years old. Uh, I lived on a theological campus. Both my parents were ordained pastors, but kind of got more into the, um, the educational side of it, if you will, or okay. professors and teachers. Okay. Um, and they always taught me to think very critically and, uh, about the Word of God and those types of things. But that's, thinking critically doesn't always mean experiencing Okay. And my version of experiencing God was I, I used to go and climb this one tree. I was a tree climber kid and the, the, the tree actually had five branches that kind of breached out like a hand and the, the trunk of the tree came up through the middle and then I would kind of either hang out on like the pinky part of it or kind of somewhere in the center and I would just sit there and I just, I felt like I was at a hand. It's the right. best way I can explain it. Um, and then I would leave the tree and I would do this every single day. And it was like, I was experiencing God without knowing it. Um, I was going into the hand of God, if you will. And and it talks about that where, you know, they talk about a lot of, um, expressions of uh, different things within the Bible and whatnot, but they talk about a King and some of the things that are precious and what they hold with their hand and what we hold within our hands are always important to us. And so I always felt like I was in the hand of something that I was protected, that I was loved, that I was cared for. And I felt this intimate connection with myself and with everything around me. There was no difference between, you know, Uh my emotions And what I wanted to do and what my parents wanted me to do. I wasn't angry at my sister for lying to me or something like that. It was like everything was good in the tree. And uh, one day I fell asleep in the tree and my dad came to pick me up. And um, when I got out of the tree and I took my dad's hand, I realized that the tree lived inside of him. Because I could feel the tree inside of my dad when I touched his hand. It was like he was a man. I was a boy, right? But my understanding of a man was my dad, um, whether I recognized that or not. But when I grabbed his hand, I realized that he was always with the tree. And the tree was always in him. And that was the safest place I could ever be. And I wanted to be like my dad in that way. I was like, I want that tree inside me. And that was my first understanding of what it meant to invite Christ into your life. Hmm. Um, so long answer, but that, that's, you know, was it somebody or something that led me in that way? I, I think it's both. Okay. Um, and, and that's at least my experience.
0: I appreciate that. That's a great answer. Great answer to a great, great question. Have you gone back and tried to visit that tree or, or anything since then?
1: No. Um, okay. Because in actuality, the, the tree had literally, it was almost like I didn't need the tree anymore.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I remember still climbing the tree, but honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. I didn't need it. it was, okay. um, that's the best way I can explain it. I didn't need the tree anymore. Uh, doesn't mean I didn't like climbing trees and jumping out of them and doing flips right. and doing all that crazy stuff that you do as a child, but um, there's the story and how I discovered God is is more important than the tree itself. That's if awesome. the tree was chopped down, I, <laughs> I mean, obviously that would be a, a bad fate for the tree, but for me, it, it doesn't change what the tree did for me.
0: Right, right. So that that leads me to believe that In that realization that the tree was in your your father, dad was the tree. He was somebody pretty important to you. I'm assuming your mom was as well. Is there a third or additional people that were really really impactful and kind of guiding and steering your life through these realizations as a youth into the man you are today? Yeah.
1: The short answer is yes the longer answer is, um, not in the way that we would assume. Um, yes, my mother was impactful. Um, however, as I got older, I, I became rather bitter and not because, um, people did me wrong per se, but because I could not truly identify, um, People who could show me the right way to move forward. So a little bit more history. My, my dad developed MS, multiple sclerosis, which affects the nerves. And over time, he went from, um, and, and my dad by no means is a perfect man either, but he went from being able to walk and run and do all those things to um, being in an electric wheelchair. And so by 13, I was the oldest person in my household, and, uh, or should I say strongest person in my household, not the oldest. Um, and because I was the strongest, there were certain responsibilities as the boy and as the son and as the strongest person in the household to take on, including caring for my father. Mm-hmm. And in that, what became challenging was what does it mean to be a man? you know, can I beat my dad in basketball? Can I run faster than my dad? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a track athlete in the past and I was built differently than him and I could run fast, but I, I didn't know if I could beat him. There was no passing on of the torch and I became extremely competitive. And all of the examples, at least of men in my life, didn't really demonstrate to me a, what I felt was truly uh, A lifestyle that was seeking to be a man of God, I found limitations in the way that they um, portrayed themselves. So, um, men who were having, uh, you know, affairs and who were also pastors, or, you know, men who uh, claimed that they were living a Christian life, but they really chased money, or you know the list goes on and on and on, and it, it became difficult to discover what it meant to be a man and as much as I loved my mother, my mother was a very um, she had to become the breadwinner in the family, uh-huh. so she took on a very non traditional woman role, and what was hard was because my mom was so domineering and me also being a domineering person, it was hard to a take advice from my mother, but it also became difficult to um, to know what was the proper way a man should have a relationship with a woman, especially okay. when she wasn't taking on traditional gender roles, okay. and so it became like, who am I? Am I allowed to be in charge, or, or should, or should I empower women to be more in charge? But if I empower them, am I denying the leadership that okay. God had? bestowed in my heart or has provided me in terms of my skill set, that was actually the struggle that I dealt with. And it was, you know, my dad had to constantly let go of the things that he thought he could do to let me or my mother do it. Mm -hmm. So what I saw was a man who, whether he was securing himself or not, had to relinquish control over so many things to allow others to help him. So I learned what strength was to let go of those things and to trust people but I didn't know how to marry that thought process with with uh, my sense of power my sense of strength my sense of I can do this or mm-hmm. I can strive forward I didn't know how to put those two things together so um the long answer to your question, mm-hmm. when I think about like the third and fourth or fifth people, mm-hmm. really, they were great demonstrations of what not to do. Okay. What a man does not look like.
0: Sometimes that's and, even more powerful than one who shows you what to do and a great example what, because if you see what not to do and you see realize and recognize that that is not the way, that sometimes can be more powerful.
1: It, it was very powerful, but also very... Um, concerning to me because I didn't know how to be a man yet. Mm -hmm. I was experiencing things and people were teaching me things and, and yet in other traditions, you know, like in the Jewish tradition, you know, you're 33 years old. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm 25, I'm 26 and I'm deployed overseas and I'm carrying around a weapon in my hands. Uh, You know, I have the ability to take life quite literally. Mm -hmm. Is, Is that what it means to be a man to be more powerful than other people? I don't think so. I so, would say, but
0: yeah, I agree with you.
1: So it was it was those those questions, and <clears throat> I believe that a lot of at least Christian men have become lone wolves for that reason, where they have found their own way um, and pioneered their own path. Because I believe that the path has, for some, is overgrown. And for me, the 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 experiences that I chose. Or experiences that have don't necessarily have the same type of um, strong Christian men. You don't hear about strong Christian men in the military per se. We have values, but you don't hear about Christian men in the military. It, it becomes, uh, uh, well, I'm a good citizen, I mm-hmm. am a, a good man in my community but there's, but you don't hear Christian man, right? Because uh, there's this struggle, right? We have religious understandings where um, being a conscientious objector, for example, or some of these other things. So I'm going through this territory, looking for strong Christian men who also have to do things that seem contradictory Mm. to life itself, and and to do things that are contradictory to life itself you sometimes put yourself in a mindset that's very different what does it actually be, mean to be a warrior where you're not holding the same you know baggage but can maintain yourself spiritually that i can understand why there's so many traditions even knighthood you know and and those types of things there's a, there's a there's a tradition between um, this idea of meditation and this idea of spirituality and understanding yourself mm-hmm. in order to be a warrior, because um, it's more than just those spiritual wounds. It's your spiritual health going in and out of circumstances and maintaining your integrity and your understanding of what it means to be a man. Mm. And those things were not very well um, demonstrated to me okay. by others. There were aspects that were, and you, I would love to say that I was able to pinpoint those aspects and conglomerate it together and find my identity. And that simply just wasn't the case. It, it's I spent more time lost than found okay. um, during those years. I had to, uh, li- to be- listen to something until it became true. To have faith in the idea of becoming a a Christian man over just becoming a decent guy or a good enough person who's made mistakes or a good enough person who has this, you know, this animal inside of you ready to destroy at any time, you know. And 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 again, you know, you think about what we talk about manimals and it's like, get to the gym and be a beast, right? I don't want to be a beast. I want to be a man. A man is more powerful than a beast for a reason.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So all of this was happening as your teenager, when your your dad developed MS. And then as you get into being a young man into your twenties, when you're serving in the military um, and was your experience in the military, was that directly tied into you becoming a chaplain or was it like being there kind of eventually led to that, the combination of your faith and being able to serve men in the military
1: so, chaplain assistant, just to be clarity. Chaplain clarity.
0: assistant, my bad. Let me let me let me jot that down. I don't want to mess up a third time.
1: No worries. Um, so that's an actual military occupation specialty. Okay. I went into the military with the idea of laying low. Um, you know, I, I ruptured when did my you, appendix. When did, you,
0: when did you start? When did you enlist enroll, enlist?
1: So I graduated college in two thousand eight. which is kind of the time that we had the recession hit. And I ruptured my appendix on the day I was going to start a brand new job. And so I ended up um, not getting that job, um, ending up in debt, no health insurance, and eventually Mm -hmm. ending up homeless, living out of my car, um, trying to get back to my parents who were living in New Jersey at the time. And I was in Michigan and trying to figure out how do I get there with no money And every time I went to try to get there, something crazy would happen. I got three flat tires in the same week. My car clutch explodes. My brakes go out. And it wasn't just like the brakes, you know, like the brake pads. It was like the whole brake system in the vehicle, right? And I had just bought this vehicle because it was like, oh, I got a new job. I'm going to get this apartment. I'm going to get this car. And, you know, this is my start to life. Mm -hmm. And um you know, it wasn't like gone all at once. Like I, I was, I wasn't like homeless right away, right? I, I started the job and then I couldn't, you know, I couldn't perform. I couldn't come to work. I was still sick. Um, I had multiple surgeries. I went five days with a ruptured appendix, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, and then it was like, okay, I have this apartment, but I need to get rid of it because I can't afford it. And so during all that time, um, you know, someone suggested that I join the military, Yeah. And I was doing a lot of different things to survive. You know, I was, I I had like this uh, free pass to a gym and I kept changing the numbers on the, on the free pass so I could keep Mm. going. And that was where I was taking my showers and whatnot. And I was sneaking into uh, places that had laundry and stealing like whatever laundry detergent or looking for quarters to be able to do my laundry. Like, it's interesting that I didn't allow myself to quote unquote, just become dirty and give up. It was like, there were still ways of doing things. I just had to figure out how. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, living, sleeping out of my car and finding different places to sleep and figuring out the rhythm of the cops. Right. So I could sleep at Meyer for X amount of hours and then go to this mm. rest stop for X amount of hours. Like I was coming up with some pretty, you know, creative plans, even though I was completely depressed and feeling, you know, rejected yeah. in life. Um, so I, I I signed up for the military. I was like, so I lost all that happened from August to like in October of 2008. And then um, I took my ASVAB in 2008 and was denied uh, entry into the military in 2000, oh. January of 2009. On top
0: of everything else that was happening. Yep. Then you get denied from the military. Yep. 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 I spent Christmas in my
1: car. I mean, like, <sighs> was a yeah. lot of different things and everybody was just like, you know, file bankruptcy and, you know, just get home and all this other stuff. But I was like, I refuse to just kind of let a moment in my life be, you know, create my experience for the next X years, right? Bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. How long does that last? Seven plus years, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like, in my mind, I was like, this is a few months. Why am I going to allow it to define my life for the next seven years? Mm-hmm no, I got to stay here. I got to figure something out. I'm not going to file bankruptcy. I'm not going to spend money I don't have. Um, You know, I literally would walk down the street and someone was like, God told me to bless you and gave me a hundred bucks. I remember I ate at Applebee's that day and then I bought a whole bunch of groceries. Right. And things like that. Right. But then there was other days I'm walking down the street like, God, 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 where are you? You know, who's the next person? And nothing would happen. Wow. Nothing. It was like, and I'm sitting there like literally thinking to myself, man, I'm going to turn into Aladdin trying to steal a, you know, steal an apple from the, from the farmer's market or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was so confusing because God was taking care of me, but not always on my timeline, not always according to my stomach feeling hungry, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm trying to figure this out. You know, some people were housing me, but only for a few days, the next days I was over here. Um, you know, the, the, the place that let me go, one of the teachers at the, it, it was uh you it was an admissions job, um, and that I lost. And then one of the teachers at the school took me on as like a teacher's assistant. It was mm. 40 hours a month, not a week, a month, but it looked like I got rehired by the school. Okay. And so what did that do for me from a resume standpoint? Did you get fired? Well, you got rehired.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. That probably looked great. You know, so yeah, I'm only making 40 hours a month, which is not enough to live off of. But guess what? I wasn't going to be defined, at least on paper, no. for those moments. And so, um, <clears throat> I had to file for a waiver um, and reconsideration to join the military. the The appendix mm-hmm. thing was what uh, limited me, um, and I had also had a double knee surgery prior to that. And um, once approved. I was accepted, and um, by the end of March, March twentieth, twenty fifth, or somewhere around there, I um, was shipped off to basic training. Okay. And I was always a chaplain assistant, but I was told not to tell anybody. Hmm. I forget what the reason was behind that, but I just, I, I, it was like I just didn't tell anybody, and I tried to blend in. Mm-hmm. And lay low. And in my mind, I joined the National Guard. So it was like, "Eh, you know, who cares about deployments and this and that? This is just to, you know, make a little money, uh, get unscrewed, and then figure out what you're going to do from here. And I stopped the suicide from happening um, at what they call reception, which is actually reception is where they say, get off the bus, and they give you all your stuff. But you're not actually shipped out to another part of the base to start your actual training yet. This is more like indoctrination. And they hmm. do indoctrination for about, you know, we'll just say a weekish until you actually start basic training. And okay. it's still, you know, so there's a little bit of a mix of things going on and they play mind games with you and blah, blah, blah. And I rolled up on my drill sergeants and I was, you know, I figured out that this kid had stopped taking depressants, uh, the drugs for his depression, and it was a chemical disbalance and it was causing him to become suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I stopped that from happening at basic training, and then after that, it was like you know finished basic training and almost immediately deployed mm-hmm. um, ended up doing almost four and a half years of active duty time in ten years
0: okay
1: and um, well wow. you know you're you're looking at it and and, and again just discovering yourself so that's that 's kind of how i mm-hmm. I went from college to military to then coming back home from college or excuse me, from military uh, during these um, deployments. And I was kind of working on and off. So I worked on and off for Lowe's mm-hmm. for a little bit of time or home improvement store I probably shouldn't be giving names. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't and, know. Then, and, and then I moved into banking, <laughs> right? Okay. And I, I started off with personal banking and then business banking and then private banking. Mm-hmm. Um, so those with a little bit more liquid assets and, um, and even just looking at the inequalities within banking and realizing that the people who needed to build the right foundations were, weren't were necessarily getting that type of care and expertise in okay. those types of things. And and then still learning myself in the midst of that, still being in the military, still doing, um, we did floods and fires in Colorado, for example, when I was living out there mm-hmm. um, and participating in those events and then going back to the bank, <laughs> right? Wow. Um, like quite literally, it's like, Hey, I'll be gone for like six, seven, eight, eight weeks. And then you just come back and you're back in the bank helping customers again. Right. Oh, um, just this
0: left yeah. field, the right field. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep.
1: Okay. Yeah. I would go do X, Y, and Z. And then I would be gone for a month doing military training or any sort. Right. Go back mm-hmm. to the bank for four or five months and then be gone for another month. And you know, it's supposedly two and a half weeks in the summer during national guard. But like, mm-hmm if you're trying to advance your career, you need to make some sacrifices. And so I was just, boom, 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 coming back and forth. Um, you know, and then I, I had my first marriage, uh-huh. um, went through eight miscarriages with her and she decided to leave. And um, that was kind of a mind fill in the blank words. Sure. Um, that just, it, it, it messed with my brain in so many different ways because psychologically, Um, that's one thing painful to lose, you know, a a child, Mm -hmm. um, let alone trying to be supportive of your spouse. And then my spouse going through hormone changes. I was a friend. I was a foe. I was, uh, I was a caretaker. And then the next thing you know, it was almost like she was rebelling against me. Mm -hmm. And how do you love somebody when they're grieving and you're grieving at the same time and you don't have the support system when you're completely away from your families? Wow right
0: so how did you
1: i don't think i did i mean i i, I might still be married to her if i did okay but um you know no i don't think i did well um i don't think she did well either and i think it poisoned our relationship huh. um at the same time I, I i made steps to really um believe in the marriage and to want the marriage and I think that she she had made up her mind that she was either unsure or in some way was trying to sabotage it and say, it's your fault. This is why I get an out. Okay. Um, right or wrong, uh, true or false, that was my mm-hmm. perspective at the time. Uh, looking back at it now, I think that there was just so much craziness that I don't know what she was consciously doing or unconsciously doing, but regardless, we were becoming poisonous for each other. Okay. And um, I think that we both made a genuine effort at some degree or various degrees. I still feel like I was making a greater effort than her, but that's okay. okay. Um, ultimately what came out of it was she found herself and who she wants to be and is still discovering what that is today.
0: Okay.
1: And out of it, I discovered what I needed to do to maintain myself and to do what I call the spiritual work. Okay. You know, a lot of people talk about doing yeah. spiritual work. A lot of times we talk about, you know, choosing a different lifestyle or different pattern. Mm-hmm. I allowed myself to, um, I call it being like out of training. Um, so no different than like when you're doing military and you have a specific mission and you have a goal, you go out there, you conquer it, you do it. Great. Well, what happens when you're not there doing a mission and a goal? Well, in the military, you're still training, you're still focused, you're still whatever have you. Well, in my Christian life, I kind of just didn't train. I was either on a mission or I wasn't. And when I was on a mission, I was trained, I was ready to go. But when Mm -hmm. I wasn't serving or I wasn't doing anything, then I also wasn't maintaining myself. And so I had to go back and say, no, this is going to be my lifestyle, not just something that I do.
0: So what's that, your your, Christi, your faith is going to dictate your lifestyle, not just something you practice when it's necessary?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, you know, and, and or, or when you need it or when you need to serve others, mm-hmm. you know, um, because you that's how constant, I was. A
0: constant, continuous, just always there, always practicing, always working rather than when you need it, when you're down. Then, you know, most people find it, dive deeper into faith when they're down.
1: Correct. Um, I think if you bring it back a little bit, you think about the two commandments that we were giving, right? Which was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, Me, I tended to gravitate towards loving my neighbor. And if I didn't have an active neighbor, if you will, then I just wasn't doing the first step, which was to love your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. It was like, oh, well, I already love God. We're good. Sure. I already, okay. I already crossed that off the list. Others sometimes have a different tendency where they're so focused on growing their faith internally that they really don't know how to love their neighbor.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Right? They don't know how to do that branch off. And so for me, I was the loving your neighbor. And if I wasn't serving and if I wasn't loving other people,
0: mm-hmm. I didn't
1: know how to do the faith work on my own. Okay. Um, okay. So for okay. me, I had to learn how to do step one. I had to learn how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. I had to learn how to be one person. I had to learn what it means to be uh, what it means to be a man and not just good enough or okay. I have enough spiritual muscle that I can just kind of muscle my way through life. You know, I I you know, I had a natural spiritual physique if you will that allowed me to muscle through life, but I wasn't conditioned okay. and when th- were actually stronger or or tougher, I wasn't able to really conquer that. I I didn't have the perspective. I didn't know how to go to God. I didn't know how to take the step back and see things. Instead, my realities were the extremes of my circumstance. And maybe they were big extremes. Sure, Miscarriages are hard enough. Yeah you know, and, and maybe that was more extreme than most people should ever experience. I have a, you know, get out of jail free card because, well, you know, that was a little bit harder Mm -hmm. than everything else. Mm -hmm. Sure. But that doesn't make it right to choose to just kind of give up or take a break in your life.
0: Sure. So what's the one thing or a simple way that you've over the years, since that has happened to you and you've come back around that allowed you to Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. What's the one thing that if somebody's watching this, listening to this piece of advice, you give them for that, to get closer to that rather than loving their neighbor?
1: So I take a pause because uh, you asked for one thing. Mm -hmm. And I I do think that that's important.
0: I know there are many things but if there's one thing that we can from that, that would help someone on that path or go that like get there to, to to guide them to like turn that direction.
1: God, honest meditation.
0: Okay.
1: True, true, true meditation and searching, searching. You're, You're searching for something within your meditation. Um, You're searching for quieting your mind. You're searching through working through your thoughts. You're searching Mm -hmm. through um, finding that connection to yourself, whether that means you have to be doing something physical. You know, playing basketball can be a meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, what puts you in one place, in one space? Okay. And then within that one space, what puts you in a place where you believe the promises of God? if you don't know the promises of God, go find out.
0: Okay.
1: Right. Because I think that we somehow don't believe that God's promises are for us at some point in time. God's plan, you know, are are really is to make me prosperous is to, to allow me to uh, be abundant is to actually clothe me is to actually feed me is to actually um, have a plan for my life to to connect with me in a way that's never been connected um you know we we begin to believe different narratives that aren't always true
0: mm-hmm.
1: they might not always be false but they're not always true okay. right i thought i you know my parents were pastors my the narrative that i was taught was like be a teacher and almost like a you know, seeking wealth or seeking abundance or or seeking anything in life wasn't wasn't right. You had to almost like uh, completely put yourself in a servant space mm, okay. where, you know, earning money was almost against the law. Okay. It was like, you know, it's, well, if, if you're rich, it's hard to get into the kingdom of God. But now I'm looking going, well, what rich, what does rich mean? Or what does it mean to have, And to be able to abundantly love and prosper and and provide to other people, right? So there was these different narratives that I struggled with that um, prevented me from really embracing God entirely, um, especially when I was around different types of wealth. And to be able to quiet those narratives and just say, I see you and you see me, the only one thing is that my desire is to seek first the kingdom of God. And all other things truly are added unto me. What does that mean for me? And I couldn't get there without meditating. I couldn't get there without quieting the other things and recognizing that my true desire was to seek first the kingdom of God. I wasn't sure for a portion of my time. Maybe it was stability. Maybe it was financial stability. Well, first I need financial stability and then I'll sure. give to the church. Or then I'll then I'll be a good Christian and do X, Y, and Z or Yeah, maybe you could come up with really kind of you anything know, in front yeah, of you, I need you this can, first.
0: Yeah. Correct. If this, right, then that first, this, then that. If I have this, I'll be happy. Kind of, yeah, along those lines. Yep.
1: It's the same excuses we come up with why we don't get married right away, right? It's like, hey, I found the woman of my dreams, but I need to fix my life first or get my job right or uh, save enough money to actually get, you know, have a big wedding or, mm-hmm. you know, what are those things? I give that only as an example to say, you know, if, if we're God's bride or if, you know, we found God. Then why are we trying to get all this other stuff together first? When being in God allows us to experience the fullness yeah. of who God is and the fullness of who we are, un you know unfractured by life. Yeah. I felt like shard glass that had gotten fragmented all around, and even though I was still really pretty, I was broken. And maybe you kind of glued the pieces back together. Yeah. Um. To the idea of living. A new, and even better than what I was before still recognizing who that person was in the old was confusing to me when I didn't really necessarily wasn't necessarily bad mm-hmm. but just broken from some of the heartbreaks that I experienced
0: I oh, got heartbreaks man I mean most not as not what you've had but I I can relate definitely and hopefully some people can relate as well so in, in effort for time, I feel like we're going to have to have a part two, maybe a three and possibly a four because go, man, we can just go. But in effort for kind of a time frame on this um, quick question, then you're obviously you have a very strong faith that's kind of you've had some ups and downs. It's never gone away right now. How has your faith affected your business, your decisions in business to so walk away from one opportunity, turn down another opportunity, do where you are. Like, how has your faith affected you in the last 12 months?
1: Sure. I am, in the last 12 months, I decided to look away from the consequences, uh, what I would say the negative consequences that life would like to say, hey, if you do that, then your 401k isn't going to grow this way. You're walking away from this many dollars, or you're walking away from the ability to do this, 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 and this. Um, you know, Going back to seeking first the kingdom of God is also recognizing what allows you to remain faithful to who you are. What does work-life balance look like for you? For example, uh, for me, work-life re- balance really means spiritual life balance. Being the best version of myself allows me to love my family. I need to be able to do that. I can work more than forty hours a week, but you know, in order to do that, I need to make sure that I have undivided attention to my family when it when it's available. Uh-huh. And so I need a flexible work schedule or I need this and I need that. So I I walked away from a job. Um, I I had three job offers all at once. Each of them arranged in in how much they would offer. And I did take the one that was a little bit more than what I'm making was making, but not substantially more uh, for the purpose of really gaining myself back. Okay. Um, And the level of peace that I have because of that has been tremendously amazing. So, you know, truly, truly centering yourself around um, not compromising yourself to have the things that you think you need.
0: Okay. Nice answer. Good answer. No, that's awesome. So if there was one thing, if you could step into my shoes, Tim, and ask a question, that I didn't ask, what would that be?
1: To ask a question. Um,
0: so what hmm. would you have asked yourself that I haven't asked you yet?
1: Why is God so important?
0: And what you? is your answer?
1: Because... God is not the reflection of who I am today. God is the reflection of who I was always meant to be.
0: I can't think of a more poignant, deep, and meaningful answer that I've ever heard on this. Wow. Let that one sit for a second. Wanna take it back to a minute. You wrote a book as a teen called Way to Live. I don't remember the sub. Is that available? Can people find that somewhere?
1: Oh yeah. You can go online, you can find it. It's called Way to Live Christian Practices for Teens. There's um there's a workbook associated with it, I believe. Um I think there's like a curriculum designed around it at this point. Um, I ended up, uh, helping to edit the book that they made for, uh, kind of young adults afterwards. Don't remember the name of it. And there was one book that they made kind of, uh, for adults. So, um, there's three books that kind of came out of this project and it was out of, uh, Valparaiso university, um, that kind of started that project. And, um, uh, but yes, it is available,
0: um, okay. You have a copy you can show us what it looks like in your, your bookshelf back there? Uh,
1: if I could find it, yes, but I probably will spend 90 minutes looking for it.
0: Well, well, we'll find a link and we'll put it on here then. How can people connect with you, Tim? Where can people find you on online, social media? What's your preferred method?
1: Um, LinkedIn is really okay. a great way to connect with me. I do respond to that if you, if you just even want to meet up for coffee or just even have a conversation. Uh, always willing to listen um not necessarily going to prescribe my solutions cuz that's not always the right solutions but mm-hmm. um yeah linkedin tim fraser f r a z i e
0: r okay awesome what do you feel your purpose is on this planet if you can narrow it down to one thing ooh
1: <laughs> um i feel like i'm still trying to figure that out sometimes but okay. as of that's right good now good an answer as any man <laughs> As of right now, my existence on the planet is to um, is to give people uh, a glimpse of who they are. Um, if they chose the difficult paths in their life, if they chose the 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 knocking, um, how to hear it, how to know it, and um, the encouragement to seek it can't seek it for you. Can't, can't convince you to do it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not good at convincing people to do anything. Um, but I can definitely encourage you um, should you decide to that uh, of the rewards of uh, listening to that, that knock when okay. it comes.
0: All right. so. Awesome. I, I appreciate all your time here. I really, truly do great answers, great insight. And I really, really appreciate it. Any last words? No. All right. Appreciate you being on here, Tim. Thanks so much. Uh, We'll get everything put in together in the show notes. We'll line it up for you. We'll put it up on LinkedIn. It'll be on the YouTube channel as well. Thanks again for being here, watching, listening, whatever your preferred method was. We'll catch you next time.